sort of the philosophy of this thing stems from the idea that we express a self you know, less in sort of ideas and ideologies than in the actual way we interact with the world every day. I think photographers are prime in that is that, you know, we're, when we make the pictures, we're interact interacting with the world. And I know you've, you know, I've heard you speak about that, you know, that we forget that this is a performative in the moment kind of thing a lot when we kind of pull ourselves out and talk about bigger issues or something like that. So this is kind of why we want to, like, you know, we sit and talk, but then also we want to see how people make pictures in the world. Okay, yeah, well, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Very practical business, really, the business of photography. The non-photography syllabus for us, you know, they, they had the, uh, the inner game of tennis and the zen book. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I, okay. I like that, you know, what you said about that is that we forget that it's an in-the-moment thing, uh, primarily. Because, you know, most of the time we, in MFA land or something, we end up talking about. Yeah, well, about. It's, it is an athletic enterprise, you know, you've got to be in good shape. I'm going to get my eggs this morning, so I've got some power, you know, and, uh, um, yeah, you have to be on physically. And, uh, you know, maybe digital changes that. People are synthesizing images from different, but, um, I like that notion of trying to be cultivated to the point where you can have this kind of concentration and you're able to uh, not mess up. You know, you can frame the picture well, you can be in the right spot and, and not off where you know that you are on target. Okay, moi je prends le petit déjeuner du voyage avec du thé. Thé noir. Et vous? Salmon. Salmon. Salmon fumé. Yeah. Okay. And salmon fumé. Très bien. Also the orange. Jus d'orange. Yeah. Um, on this idea of cultivation, and again, that was part of what we were talking about with that non-photography syllabus, is that, you know, the more you read, the more you listen to, all of these things, you know, become part of that, would end up in a moment when you press the shutter. Is that what you're getting at? Or? No, what are you saying? Well, the cultivation is that we, you know, everything that we read, the novels that we read, the music that we listen to. Well, the cultivation is for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and photography is a way of aiding that. You know, why does somebody want to do, do you want to make great photos or do you want your photos to like help you, you know, in your own growth? It's, it's, it's like just depends on um, your idea of achievement, you know. Um, I think the two are intertwined. If you make pictures that are really surprising, it's because you've got some inner cultivation. You know, there's inner success. Um, and then the, the external world just kind of meets up uh, to help you demonstrate that. Well, so that's interesting, because maybe I was reading cultivation a little too narrowly, as in like sort of a, a cultural cultivation, you know, that relates to novels and records and that kind of thing. Well, that, yeah, know. it's used that way. I would say it's cultivation just in your your uh, your way of being. Um, yeah, no, you know, how you relate to your own mind. Are you um, 
around? You know, what, what kind of interior dialogue are you having with yourself? Is there just a lot of noise? Is, have you uh, decluttered your mind? Um, are you, um, do you have clarity around your motivations for working? Um, you know, a lot of photography, you know, photography, it's the kind I do, it's about responding to things. So you, you just want to be, to be clear about it, to make your response be clear. Then you want to be able to effectively, you want to execute the picture, you know, in a way that's not uh, clumsy, you know. Um, have, you, have you felt like you, you have taken a more active role in that cultivation as you've gotten older and had more experience? And... Um, I mean, I think it's, you're, you're always on a path, you know. Um, you might not think it, but you're always being led and you're always growing. And if you're having a fallow period and you're watching all this TV, maybe it's just that's just where you're at, and then uh, maybe you'll saturate in that enough, and then you'll make a change, you know, and so it's a necessary part of your evolution. Um, I think you can be more active about, um, you know, taking care of yourself. A lot of people are very passive, and, uh, um, but, you can certainly eat healthily, and you can certainly um, exercise a little bit, and you can um, meditate. And I mean, those are very basic things that that um, help you to be um, healthier and clearer. You know, I mean, some other people, you know, Eggleston, I guess he just drinks like, uh, you know. So, who knows? Now, this is good to talk about because I think, you know, we in America have been so focused in the last several months about thinking of ourselves as a feminist, as a conservative, as a, you know, these, these things, these are big ideas, but they don't really, they, in some ways they don't have much impact on how we live in a daily way, you know, and, and how we experience the world. Uh, well, it's true. I think the election went the way it went because um, maybe a lot of people were not interested in these issues that were being put forth. It didn't seem real to them, you know, and um, they were sort of magnified. And um, there are more basic um, needs that people have. And I think people do tend to get lost in their minds and um, amplify certain smaller thoughts. And then those thoughts become larger and then they dominate. And, um, you know, there's a kind of natural um, fundamentalism that people have. Um, you know, but I think we see it across the world, just, um, you know, that whether it's the Taliban or ISIS or the Tea Party, you know, people are really uh, getting very rigid with their ideas. And But I don't mean to pontificate on the world, you know. Um, I basically think that people, you know, um, they have to saturate themselves with something before they give it up. And I think we're seeing that on the world. And it's, it's kind of like the drunk who really has to hit the, the brick wall before they decide that, you know, they're not, um, that they're actually going to have the, the they're going to then have the, uh, the willingness and the commitment to, to change. And then they can have escape velocity from this, you know, addiction. Um, but, uh, you know, people are not thinking very clearly, you know, these days. And um, they're surrendering their minds, they're surrendering their kind of freedom of, you know, their freedom of thought to, um, 
you know, whatever. It's always struck me that, you know, you don't make pictures that are topical, you know, in any way responding to issues of the world. But I, I always love this, you know, Flannery O'Connor, she's, she's like, you know, I'll never write about the bombing of Nagasaki, but of course I know it happened, and that's part of my humanity, and it's, you mm -hmm. know, part of the way I, mm -hmm. I view the world. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, how do you, you know, like, do you think... Well, that's true. I think I'm more interested in, you know, uh, la vie quotidienne, you know, as the French say, just the everyday life. And, uh, I, um... Um, you know, even things like uh, Christmas or Halloween, you know, maybe Halloween is enough of, of a universal thing that it's, you know, and people in masks, but I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I tend not to want to get, I, I love the seasons and I want to be very specific about time of day and, and specificity about weather, but um, I don't know, I guess for whatever reason I'm, I'm not as interested in the the specific nitty-gritty of the political, you know, what's happening now. Um, I think it'll mean just a lot less to people in the future, and it's, it's um, but certainly you can do great art that's very specific on something, and it's particularly political art. Right, and I agree, and I, I'm just curious, do you think that, for you or for anyone, might there be, you know, sort of a tension or, or a malaise or whatever you want to, you know, like, with with sort of a right wing thing happening in Europe, in the United States, you know, might and that doesn't need to be expressed. Well, it's just go go. You know, it's it's uh, it's just all part of the mix. It's part of what fuels you too. I mean, I I, I think maybe people will be more um, galvanized. Maybe they'll be a little more um, committed to change. You know, everybody's very blasé. You know, uh, Hillary's going to win, and. Um, you know, now that uh, we've lost, it's, it's, um, you know, maybe people will roll up their sleeves more, I, you know. Um, I feel already just more, you know, I feel more of a, a punk outsider, you know. See, that's the kind of thing I find very interesting. Feeling like a punk outsider is, a, is something that can fuel picture making in a way that not you don't go take pictures of rallies or conventions or whatever, but but a feeling inside you like a punk outsider can inform a picture of a tree, for example, or you know, or whatever. Yeah, hard to inform that, but uh, a tree. Um, but um, yeah, just an attitude, you know, and. Uh, so you don't think there's any punk pictures of trees? Because now that I'm now I'm curious. I want to try to figure out one. I, I don't know. I think that I think that's that's harder because that's nature, and, and mm -hmm. I think the good ones are kind of um, maybe they're punk in that you've uh, you know you're maybe leaving culture behind a bit. You're making this connection that's a little more um, um, comes from a different part yeah. of us, more deeply rooted in our Paleolithic roots or something. Certainly, you can make an exciting picture of a tree and. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess I think of punk just in connection with uh, turning away from society or, or being free in relation to the customs of general people, you know. It just doesn't sound very punk as a, as a definition. Do you think Ajay was a punk? Uh, I don't think so. I think he was, um, um, you know, he was a, uh, a free spirit, and uh, he was just deeply connected to himself, to the depth inside him, I think, and he um, had a life which he experienced deeply, and he, he just was able to get that into the pictures. Um, I think, no, he adored, um, you know, 
the old French ways that were the old old Paris that were disappearing and he was sort of a preservationist um, his later pictures were his best and that's where um, you know post World War one and he's getting old and um, um, there's just this liberation that, that took place in his case. Um, and you see that in a, in a lot of older artists who are, you know, who keep challenging themselves, but there's a, this kind of freedom you, um, that it seems older artists experience when, um, you know, basically they've done it, you know, um, it's not about beauty, it's not about status, they're, they're, they're leaving the world and they know it and they are, um, making some kind of swan song, but liberated from, you know, their basic earlier ego needs. And, um, you know, and you look at, if you look at the very last painting of Rembrandt versus his, the one previous, though, know, there was one where he's a very, very old man and it's deep. And then there's one where he's like, he just looks mad and he's, the, the drawing is different and he's just, um, in this place of, uh, it's like the fool, or the liberated fool or something, you know, in, in darkness. And there are quite a few. Uh, uh, Michelangelo, I think his last ones, it's like they, they, the form can't be held up anymore, you know. Even something like Edward Weston, he had a, his earlier pictures were very, um, you know, it's like one thing, it's the, it's the shell, it's the rock, things are intact. And then his later ones, it's a scattering. You know, you can no longer hold up the form. And, and there, it's a very interesting dissolution of form and masterfully done by, by some, you know, painters and artists. And it's basically, you know, Yeats is, you know, uh, says wonderful things about being an artist when he's old. Okay, I'm gonna follow up a couple different avenues, but, and maybe this one is not fruitful, but I love this idea of the punk. Like, do you think was Walker Evans the first punk? Was it Robert Frank, Cartier Bresson? Photography, certainly yeah. Cartier Bresson. Yeah. Rambo, you know, he loved Rambo, and uh, but he was very bourgeois too. You know, um, I, you know, he's a mix, super wealthy guy, and then. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, his attitude uh, traveling around in his early work is very, uh, you know, he had, he wasn't interested in, well, same thing with Evans. I think Evans and Cody Brisson, nothing had really been done in photography that they were aware of that they thought was all that um, wonderful. And I think Evans was uh, a bit crippled by, um, by literature, his admiration for great literature, and he thought he couldn't do it. And you know, he was, he'd also rumbled around through through a few schools. I think he left Williams College after his first year. I don't know if he graduated from any place. You know, went to Paris. You know, Cardi Bresson was privileged, but he was off on an adventure. You know, through Africa, nearly dying, and then, um, but really just kind of. Um, disdain for photography or not disdain but just nothing had been done so he, and he came up with something completely new so we have food Merci. Merci. 
should say palm was. Did they get the right one? Oh shit. No, that can't be no, right. 3175? No, that is. I, I guess they'll bring the next part. Okay. Yeah. One thing uh, a lot of people talk about is photography being such a young person's game. and I mean, I just have a personal interest in it not being that way because I'm a little older, you know, and I'm... How do you think you've developed over time? Well, I think... Um, maybe Sarkowski was writing about... Well, definitely Sarkowski was writing about... Um, um, young artists in general who were more um, lyric in nature. They, there was a kind of lyric poetry they could do. There was, um, um, you know, gifted at quick bursts of insight and energy, songwriting. Um, the older artist is more... Okay, ici, merci. Et il y a un jus d'orange avec ça. Avec le voyageur. Okay, merci. So where were we? Well, let's talk about the young man's, uh, or the young person's game. Yeah, um, so you do see, um, you know, Helen Levitt making those kinds of pictures and Cardi Bresson making those kinds of pictures. Um, and you see Ajay making his kind. It's, it's hard to say, you know, Bresson was uh, maybe in his 30s and it's just a... It is, he makes a different kind of picture than like Cardi Bresson, um, Evans too. Um, with Bresson, you have the sense of an artist who uh, knows how the world works. Um, merci. Um, you know, Cardi Bresson's pictures are just, they're, they're quick surrealism. Um, but Evans and Bersai, it's more about a functioning world. But yeah, I think, well, I mean, I'm, I think you've got to take care of yourself. You know, you, I, I love watching tennis, and uh, it's amazing how great they are, but then, you know, around 34, 35, it's very hard. You, you've lost a step. You've, you know, you, you, you've lost a step as you run across the court. Um, photography isn't that athletic, but... Um, to roam around, you know, you've got to be in pretty good shape, I would say. I think Gary Winogrand, uh, I think his late work is great, you know. Um, I think there, there's a real, uh, there's really something in those pictures, something sort of eulogiac, um, you know, something a little darker. So he was good at least till his mid-50s, you know. Um, Kertes, Andre Kertes was uh, great early and great late. He kept his same sort of um, childish, not childish, um, childlike um, interest in perception, you know. And there are pictures that he took, he, I think, um, what's her name, Sylvia Placci, um, she's Hungarian, and I think she drove him around Hungary for a a documentary Hungarian public TV was doing on him, and um, he took great pictures on that, you know, being driven around. And if you link them up with pictures he did in the teens, you know, this is like 1980, you know, and, and it's astonishing. It's astonishing. Um, but I think um, 
you know, I think you want to refine yourself. You don't want to do the same thing over and over. But, you know, my approach, for me personally, has been it's very basic kind of photography. Very, you know, it's a world um, that's not too uh, complicated that we can understand and relate to. I don't go into, you know, strange abstraction, um, you know, um, and it's pe people are places. So, uh, to me, there's been a lot of change, you know, in the work, and there's been a lot of um, um, just exploring different things. Uh, but it's still basically regular photography, no special access to things. No, I see, I see somebody who looks amazing. So what's nice about this camera is how quiet it is. Um, it's nice, huh? It's like a Degas or something, right? Yeah. Am I thinking of the correct window picture or mirror picture? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Well, bon appétit. Bon appétit. Uh, Mark, are you still in Athens at all, or do you? Stay there at all? I'm in Athens. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Boston and Athens. <laughs> okay, Boston and Okay. You know, I've got a commission to work at the Atlanta airport. I fly a lot. I'm in the terminals. I just pick up people at the airport and take pictures. And I'm photographing around the airport and, you know, at the airport. Outside the airport, there's a, you know, the pickup and drop off. Did they at least let security people know that you're, no. you're legit? No. No. Yeah. No, I think if I asked for access, then they would want to have somebody with me, you know, um, tagging around. And I'm just so it, maybe it's punk. I'm just I'm just right. doing this stuff scrappy as I can. It's interesting. Like I hear people say things like, you know, I've researched this project and I, I've made these phone calls and these connections and I've gotten these kinds of access and all this kind of stuff and that kind of work to make pictures is, is about the furthest thing from my mind. Mm -hmm. But obviously there's just many, well, many I had to do that. I did that for um, my summer camp pictures. Oh, you know, I had mm -hmm. to get permission. Yeah. I mean, it's worth doing in certain cases, right. but sure. um, the airport, it's a public enough space. Right. Um, I just want to photograph things that anybody could see. You know, not the privileged access from the, uh, you know, observance tower. I mean, it might be nice, you know, uh, or to see the baggage handlers down below. I'd be curious, but it's not how I've worked, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about one difference in your project. For example, the, um, <clears throat> the summer camps or the baseball, where there's a fairly set idea, obviously, we're at, we're at Whitworth Little League. Um, whereas maybe more the Atlanta, the Atlanta trilogy, just seems broader and maybe, you know, 
I'm not gonna say more organic because it's all organic, but that the, the Atlanta books don't feel like you said beforehand, oh, this is going to be this. It sort of feels like maybe you learned a lot and it and it mm -hmm. fell into it fell into its place. Is mm -hmm. that true? Or? Well, it's always discovery. Um, certain projects like um, Little League Baseball or Summer Camp, you know, that's very tightly bound and how it's really going to turn out, I don't know. Um, the other ones are, um, yeah, it's more seeing just what comes out naturally and you're, you're shaping it while you're photographing. Um, but um, how it really came together is something that took place, of, you know, years after they were made. Right, because I, I don't know if I'd ever asked you this or just assumed it, but that the pictures in the Atlanta trilogy were made somewhat contemporaneously, so they weren't, it wasn't like, do this one, do this one, do this one. Some are made at the same time. Right, the first right. one is South Central. That's a bit discreet because that was more um, the Knoxville area, um, Eastern Tennessee. Okay. Um, <coughs> And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it an Atlanta trilogy. You right, know, I don't okay. know what, it, you know. Um, and then Southeast was, you know, a shift because I'd moved. It was Athens. It was, um, you know, more of a rock and roll town. And um, there's some driving around the, the Southeast. There's some from Memphis, some from New Orleans, um, some from the road, in, you know, in between. Um, and then Atlanta is really, Greater Atlanta really is, uh, there's some from Athens and, and some in Atlanta, but that's found. But, but they were taken, um, you know, at the same time, except that there were some for Greater Atlanta where I, I knew the book I was working on, and then I think it came out in, um, what is that published, like 2009 or something, or 2008? But anyway, there are pictures from 2008 in there, which are um, very much because I knew what the theme was, and um, um, so I was taking pictures for this book that I knew what it looked like, you know, towards the end. When did you figure you were a book person? As far as how you wanted the, the presentation to be? I mean, always. Oh, yeah. That's just how where you learn, or how I learned photography. That's you know, exhibitions are much. Um, they're very second place to books. Um, you know, when you view them, you're standing up. You're you know maybe you've just eaten some meal and you're digesting, and you know you can't take it with you. You can't take it home with you. you I, I think you can see. In big prints, um, you can have this sort of a visceral body experience. Um, but I'm more of a reader, you know, and it's more of um, you have the book by your, um, you know, at your home, and you can pick it up and return to it, and it's the only way, really. It's and plus there's a, it's it's like an album, you know, things are shaped for you. It's it's you have a sequence. Um, so then, and most shows are, um, well, in the old days, a museum could do a good, thorough job, but nowadays, I don't know what museums are doing, you know, and the galleries are, you know, if you go to Perry Photo, then, well, it's, that's the market, you know, and um, it's very different from interesting photography, you know. Um, good stuff is very, you know, independent of that. Do you edit in sequence entirely independently, or do you have some trusted help on editing? Or? 
I mean, I do a lot with with Chris Pickler. We do, you know, we sit down side by side, and and um, it just works. You know, I think it is. Um, you know, you can stay in your own head and talk yourself into believing anything. You know, and I think it is good to um, have a counterpoint. You know, just. People don't even need to talk. If you just look with look, go through your pictures of somebody else, you can kind of feel how they're reacting to them. I have a funny thing where, like, I may have a set of twenty or twenty-five pictures I want to show someone. In the moment they sit down and look at them, I know the three or four that should have been added it up. You know, I, it's mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah. It's like right when you get it in front of them. Oh, like, it's like a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need mirrors outside of yourself to ref- to reflect back to you the the parts of you that you don't see. So was it the Americans and American photographs that were the models when you were and the Cartier and the Well, the Americans first. Yeah. Um, American photographs is um, more difficult. You know, it's. Um, I think um, when I was in college, you know, the um, the Americans just has a you know clear mood, a clear. Um, you know, it's a clear kind of poetry, and then the Evans, it's, it's um, you've got to be older, you know, I think, to get into it. I think young people want to exaggerate things, they want to be, have, you know, large romantic kinds of ambitions. That's why I'm so startled by the young photographers today doing their very clinical, cerebral work. It, it seems to be... It's just not at all what I expect young people to be interested in, you know, which is more like, you know, falling in love and being hurt and, and um, you know, I mean, it just makes no sense to me. It seems like they're adopting this, uh, you know, it's like they, they, they want to look like they're put together and they want to look like they're intellectual and... Um, but it's not really fuel. It's not really food. No, I agree. I mean, um, I mean, I, several different people have expressed it. You know, but that a lot of what fuels people to make any art is just a feeling of like a fundamental brokenness in the world, a hurt. You know, that mm-hmm. we're and whether you call it form or imagination or something, but you're trying. You know, you're constantly trying to create a livable world. I think you know, for people like us, a camera is, is obviously the way that we've chosen to create a livable world. Excuse me while I... Sorry, the light's just out and this person looks great. I just... If, uh, if she leans back a foot... This other idea that's is it animating lately. This guy Ben Lerner, he wrote a book called The Hatred of Poetry, and he he said, you know, basically, we're all, uh, there's always a gap between what we 
want to do and what we actually can pull off. And that that's the that's a really painful part in there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because we were never we can never make the photograph that was in our head. We can never write the poem that was, you know, that is the feeling inside our head. Well, Gary Winogrand uh, would would differ with that. I mean, he would say that he was trying to make pictures that were smarter than he was. You know, um, and I think it's true for poetry. You can come up with something that it sort of exceeds you. You know, you want to transcend yourself. You don't want to <clears throat> just meet yourself. You know. Um, you know, and I think when you collaborate with the world, then um, there are things that surprise you that are, you know, um, much more than what you would have come up with on your own. Well, shall we um, hit the road? Yeah. So we'll just follow your lead. Um, All right, well, we're going down here. We're going to uh, La Place de Clichy. So I have a book, Paris in My Time. Um, but that was published, so maybe it's no longer my time. <laughs> but that book is, you know, there's some stuff from um, the mid-80s and goes to, I think there's some pictures from like 2011. And so there's some time traveling in there. There's like a woman with a cell phone and um, some indications that of a, you know, it looks a little dated in some some uh, images, but um, but it's all a very classical Paris. It's along the Seine. It's in parks. It's um, kind of a you know maybe quaint roads a little bit. Um, and uh, then this work at La Plastic Clichy, it's different. It's just kind of uh, it's less glamorous Paris. Your mother was French, is that yes. correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you'd been coming here all your life? or um, Well, as a kid we came, yeah, yeah, came over. Um, no, there's a big gap when I, my teenage years I didn't, I wasn't here. Um, and then there was a big gap, uh, you know, in the 1990s I was, I was doing the South work pretty much. Because I'm curious, you know, like I like to talk to people about how long they come to a place before they really feel like they're making pictures authentically there. And some people can dive right in and, and do it. You know, others really have to get the feel for a place over time. It's hard to answer. Uh, for myself, um, you know, I think I can dive right in, but then maybe I'm kidding myself. You know, you never know. Uh, I think I dove in pretty well in Thailand, you know. But I just feel I have enough experience and enough connection with myself and what I'm interested in that if I am in a if I'm in a different place, but something clicks, I just assume it's you know authentic. Um, um, I suppose some people say that when you get to a place, you start doing the you know you go you're interested in the low hanging fruits and just um, and I see that a lot when European photographers photograph in America. It's very you know, to us it's not that interesting because they are doing these, you know, just obvious tropes of the road and and maybe we do that here, but I mean, Paris is kind of a, it's a shared city among the world and through the cinema and the painting, people know about it and so, um, 
you know, the cliches you can work with, you know. Just because I think there are only a few cities where there's this kind of sharing of, you know, New York City, Los Angeles. Like a basic vocabulary you can kind of work with. Yeah, there, there's already been a lot of artists who have, who have uh, described it. And, um, you know, so there are paths to follow. I'm reminded of a quote that's attributed to Eudora Welty, but nobody can really pin it down. But she said, to know one place well is to know all places better. Um, so maybe going back to the cultivation again. Well, I, I, I think so. I think it's a little different. She's sort of speaking about, it's sort of, Thoreau said something similar. If, if you can know the local waters, you can know the universe. And uh, I think, yeah, if you just sort of stay in one spot and, and intensely, you know, are, and are open to it and uh, can see it, then, um, yeah, you probably have all sorts of, you know, universal learnings. I think some people uh, who have met these uh, tribal shaman in the Amazon, you know, it's like... Um, um, my God, you know, they're so wise and, uh, you know, but they've, they haven't been anywhere. Is there a kind of day that you prefer to take, take out the camera? Well, well, in November in Paris, uh, <laughs> you know, if you get some sunlight, that's good. That's a good day. Um, here, it's really, I, I really like weak light. I like, I like, well, not dead, but when the sun is straining through clouds, that's exquisite, you know. Um, something very delicate about it. Uh, and this, uh, you know, this, this is a nice sunny day, so we'll see. I mean, it's a mix of clouds and sun, but it's better than yesterday. I mean, it's just, you can't deal with it, you know, or the day before, just rain and uh, it's too dark. Do you feel like on almost any given day you can say, yeah, I'm, I want to make pictures today and, and that you can produce at a level that you like? Or do you still have clunker days? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have clunker days. Um, you just go out and there's nothing. Um, you know, that's part of the fun, though. <laughs> if it's just always easy. I mean, if, if there was some pill you could take and then by taking this pill, all your answers would would uh, come forth and you would know what to do in every situation and how boring that would be. Although some days I guess I would take the pill just if I could have it for about six hours. Yeah, <laughs> no, on many days we're so, we're so weak and there's that pill and it's glistening golden box and... It's a devil's bargain. I'm just Post waiting here to cross the street because there's a little more light on that side, but we can go down this way though. I was going to cross, but I've changed my mind. You know, that's how it goes. So we're walking now over, this is a, this a cemetery of Montmartre. There are a few, um, few dignitaries, poets buried here. I can't quite recall it all. Yeah, I've made a few pictures in the cemetery. Do you have an idea yet how long you want to, this project to last? Or are you still midway into it? Or? No, I don't have an idea. I mean, I might... <clears throat> depends on how much I can go, come out here. But I, I, the, 
these pictures are very similar to pictures I've taken in Berlin in Alexanderplatz. Um, I've tried to do some in Milan, and I'll, I'll be there next week. Um, it could just be mixed in with, you know, a few different. Even Boston, I might have a few pictures that kind of are. So I don't know if it's a global kind of, you know, or, or Western. Just people in the city. Um, but this place, it's kind of, uh, you know, there's nothing voluptuous about it. It's kind of nondescript. But it's a wide enough place that, uh, in terms of the size of the plaza, that there's light in it. But actually, there is something about it, too. It is this place where uh, just a lot of people meet up. A lot of people are waiting around, and they, they meet up people by the, by the um, entrance of the metro. There's a big cinema there. Um, there's a school. Uh, Montmartre is right here on one edge, so there are some tourists. Um, you have a uh, just a mix of people. You have a lot of workers coming in. It's it's um, like Montmartre is pretty, you know, maybe upper. You know, you're just, just fairly wealthy, and then this part it's it's less, you know, a little more working class. Um, I think there are. Uh, um, some prostitutes and um, transvestites. So here we are on one edge of La Place de Clichy. So your description makes it sound like you're envisioning mostly people pictures or it's some people pictures. No landscape uh, support. Not, not uh, there could be one or two. There's a statue um, in there. There. You know, this sort of hand raised and it's uh, against the sky, it can be interesting. Um, I mean, there could be a, a couple. There's an interesting, that gyro thing, hero thing. If you look at it in the, the light, it's pretty good. But uh, mostly it's just people, um, and I'm not interested in the setting so much. The setting is just, um, you know, it's six by seven, it's um, photographing maybe two meters to five meters. And mostly candid, or you've been it's pretty intervening candid. a little it's bit? It's pretty candid. Okay. Uh, no, it's pretty candid. Yeah. Not much intervention. But so it's a kind of portrait. Yeah. yeah, but also kind of situation. Some, I really like the work. You'd have to see the pictures. No, yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll be at 2 50th of a second. Um, you know, that doesn't take, there's not much movement you can have at that with this format. 1 125th, I thought I could sneak off 1 125th, and I tried it when there's very little light. Um, but um, the picture's just, it's just soft. So the people might be moving too much. We're going to head over here. You see, look at this thing in this light. Isn't oh, that, that is like, great. just nuts? The meat glistens. I like that circle in the corner. If it were just up a little more, and the hero is making kind of a triangle. Is it a hero or is it a gyro? You know, I mean, or gyro, so it's like, you hero? know, if you try to do a little Greek on it. But, yeah. Um, I'll call it a gyro. I was reminded when, when you said you got to see the pictures, say, 
you know, Flannery O'Connor, when somebody would ask her what a book is about, she's like, you really have to read the book. Yeah, please. <laughs> There's no aboutness. Please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Well, what is this picture about? It's just, it's, it's the picture. You know, I think when I talk to friends who are interested in knowing what I do or what I'm interested in, uh, the first the thing about it, that's the first kind of threshold thing, is saying a photograph is a new thing in the world. It is not, you know, a record of that house or tree or person. It's a new uh -huh, thing, uh -huh. you know. And if you can kind of get through to that point, then you're, you're into more fertile territory to talk about. Uh, yeah, that it's separate from the subject, you know. No, this guy's good. He looks out, but this is... Let me see. Maybe I won't. Or maybe I will. Did I get it? Well, that was pretty good, actually. I like it with this, if you can move back, I like this canale thing here. Nah, that won't work too. All right. He's quite a classic clochard. He'd be straight from a Renoir movie. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of photography like this, it's you are being kind of a casting person, you know, and you're looking for stars. Uh, you know, just the people who have that kind of film presence, but you're defining it in your own way, you know. But they got to have something. I guess pretty much anybody can be good to photograph in the, in the right situation, in the right light, but um, really it does seem that some people are, are just going to be better for me. All right, well, here's the grand cinema so um one reason and it's the morning here it does get more uh it gets busier later in the day i guess we're mostly in shadow now there's some reaching in this end i think there will be a little spot over there where we get but let's go this way well uh, just a lot depends on the uh on the situation and moment it's it's surprising how it Maybe somebody you've rejected before in a different, you know, light all of a sudden comes forth. All right. So this is a spot where, uh, you know, people seem to hang out and pause a little bit. It helps if there's more light in this situation. I do like just people um, walking up and down the steps, you know, um, but with this low light, it's hard to freeze that activity. So that's a statue of which I spoke, which presides over. And you mentioned Bonar earlier, and um, I think he, I think he painted some scenes from here, and maybe Vuillard. I know Henry Miller wrote a book on, um, you know, Clichy. What, what was it? I don't even know the title. Days and Nights of Clichy or something. I think we were in Hamburg, I can't remember, there was several Vuillards and I still like, the way he uses like wallpaper patterns and dress patterns and all that, that cacophony of color that's yeah. just this, 
vibrates, you know, yeah. it's, and it makes me want to make color photographs, like not enough to actually make me do it, but yeah, uh, <laughs> really amazing. I've got some color photographs that are being printed in some English, it's coming out like right now in this English magazine, they're printing maybe two dozen or 30, something, it's a lot, large number. I hope it turns out well. How often do you shoot color? Uh, not so often now. I was doing it a lot in the um, OOs. Um, actually, there are a lot of pictures, like in Greater Atlanta, there might be a counterpart in, in color. And, um, but it's never a sustained effort. Um, in those days, I just didn't have access to a processor. And um, when I did, there was always something about the prints that were just sort of not quite right, you know, very frustrating. The materials were, ha were always very frustrating. Is your approach different when you have color film in the camera? Um, I would say yes. It's, it's really that the color is matters, you know. So I actually, I think I've got a roll of color with me now, just in case there's really something that would work in color and not, not black and white. Um, but I think black and white is more accepting of the world. It's more, um, you can embrace just more of its real chaos and in color I, I think it's very hard to make it becomes gibberish because there's too many little bits that these red taillights on those cars just in a print really could the, the red and a quick sign there you know it just it just dominates too much you know it's sort of a problematic medium um, but it's good in certain situations, you know, in, when, in low light, I think it's very good because it, the color creates contrast and in black and white, it's just too drear. Do you ever use a digital camera? I, uh, I use my iPhone and I, um, I did get a Leica M and I did try using it and um, I guess I tried making prints from those and it just seemed that's sort of the point where it just kind of fell apart. It just didn't, wasn't that satisfying. And the camera was frustrating. I still have it, but it was frustrating um, because it goes to sleep, you know, to save the battery. And then when you see something, you pick it up. You've kind of got to wake, keep waking it up for, for the picture. It's really awful. And then these other digital cameras are, you know, they've got like this electronic viewfinder or there's something about it that's just unacceptable. You know, why do it? Like black and white photography is not broken. It's, it's great. Color photography had a problem, you know, um, but I might start trying to make uh, large digital prints because they're looking okay, you know, and um, it's just so much easier to do than a silver gelatin, which is I, which I don't do, which is expensive to have somebody do. We talked about a variety of cameras. Do you stick with Tri-X? I use Tri-X, yeah. I don't know if it's the same Tri-X of my youth, but I use Tri-X. You, you see a difference? Uh, everything is drifted in, you know, in times. The, the papers are just, they, they can't keep the same name, but they're, they're different. When you mentioned the large prints, I, I think at APAD, one or no, t maybe two or three years ago, I saw a few of your pictures printed mm -hmm. quite large. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to know about, you know, That large. was probably Sergio in Brooklyn, uh, black and white on white, mm -hmm. and he, I mean, it would definitely be him if, if they're large. He's the only person who's made silver gelatin, large silver gelatin prints. 
and uh, I like them, you know, and they sell, you know, the smaller prints don't sell, you just go to Perry Photo and it's just large prints, you know, that's, that's the genius. Hey, I make my prints like the size of a painting. Kind of crazy. But so I'll assume that your preference is for the smaller print? Well, person. again, I'm a book artist, but it's not a preference. No, I love the large prints. You can see things viscerally. If they hold up, you know, uh, it's great. But yeah, no, it's great. You know, I, I mean, as a print, uh, you know, 60 by 20 is gorgeous. Have you ever found that some of your pictures don't enlarge to that size well? or they're, uh... Yeah, some if they're a little, a little soft. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, uh, on the on the page, you can make pictures that are slightly soft in a way. In fact, some photographers, I know Tom Roma, um, I think he said once that he used a lens that was not wickedly sharp because then there's not the same difference between a zone that's in, in focus and is, you know, touches off. And um, he might argue with that. Maybe he, he would say that he said something a little different from what I just said. <clears throat> but so there's a sort of a harmony in the print from, you know, all the areas. These pictures that I'm making here that I'm not making, I'm just standing here talking, are, uh, <laughs> are uh, it's, it's meant to be like one, um, one plane is going to be sharp, and I want that to be sharp, and, and uh, just reasonably. You know, you've got to be kind of relaxed about things. People are moving, and if the picture is not, I really like when the eyelashes are sharp, and the eye is sharp, and you can really just kind of see it. Uh, that's what photography is great at. It's great in faces. It's great to face. It's better than painting. I mean, just because of the description. It's just like, it's a great way to do a portrait, I think. I mean, I'd, I'd really wonder what Rembrandt would, uh, would say of photography. It's interesting because when you say a single plane, you know, when you're thinking about this particular body of work... It, I... it, it, it has to be because the light is low and I'm hand-holding it. And uh, there's some motion in most cases, just a little bit. Like, I, if somebody's walking full on, Maybe I can photograph them if, they're, if I'm straight in front of them and they're walking towards me, but if they're walking at an oblique angle from me, it's, I can't do it. Um, so usually I'm photographing at a kind of pause. And, um, you know, but it, mostly it's one thing is sharp and then the rest is, not that it's way out of focus, but that it's, you know, just clearly drawn in a, in a different way in the print. I, I like talking this way because I, I rarely hear many people talk in the formal way about how they're controlling the pictures within a group. You know, it's more, again, like, back to this theme, my ideas about the pictures, but, like, what do you, you know, what are the formal things you're doing to make this body work? Well, part of so, it is, you know. is technical. Each camera allows for a different kind of picture to be made. And I, I've used a 35 and 645, you know, 69. I, I don't like the 67 shape. That's, I just don't like it. But this camera, it's doable because I can, I can carry it with me all day or around the city and I just hurt my back or something is going to go off and I'll need like body work or something if I'm carrying something heavier and it's kind of punishing. Uh, so this is lighter but it's just really this shutter is uh, quiet. This shutter makes no sound and um, if I'm wearing a, uh, you know, um, my hat, my ski cap, or what you call these things, I don't know. I don't hear it even. 
and everything else uh, makes this big chunk sound. You know, the old plow bell six seven would make a huge noise. The you know the Fuji six nine is loud enough. Um, but we're in a sort of distracted world. There's you know a lot of people are on their cell phones, and um, you know they're mostly on their cell phones, and um, there's traffic sounds. Have you always been a handheld guy? No, no, I, yeah. I've used a tripod a lot. Well, actually, a lot of pictures in uh, Southeast are on the tripod, and, um, you know, maybe a fifteenth of a second, and they're portraits, and there seems like there's some activity. It's, I've always, you know, there's a kind of picture you can take at a fifteenth of a second that you can't take at one second, you know, for somebody, but... No, I want a consistency of... Um, like depth of field, and these pictures are all going to have the same kind of quality of depth of field. In um, in bright sun versus weaker light, I don't want that um, that big shift in uh, depth of field. You know, if you're at f11 or you know in bright light, and then f56 in weaker light. I want it to be the same vision, you know, so I did take a lot of pictures that it's kind of surprising. They look, I don't think they look like tripod pictures at all, but I, what I wanted was that extra bunch of, of depth of field that you can only get by lugging, lugging the, the, you know, this lightweight, you know, carbon fiber, you know, tiny, small magnesium head and, um, you know, very portable and very quick. You know, you just need it to get down to a fifteenth of a second. Do you see what I'm saying? Just so that you're not betraying your your vision. Why would you have a a voice where it's you have a the background is drawn a certain way, and then you switch it to another? You know, um, I mean, South Central. You can tell that was the the Fuji six nine handheld, and then it's just. Um, so the focus is out on, on, you know, the background is out on, on several of them. But with the, with Southeast, a lot of them are more, you know, there's more background in Greater Atlanta. And never a view camera though? Or did you ever just play around? I've, I've shot with the, I've used a view camera. Um, and I like it. I like it. I have one and maybe I'll try using that more, you know. Um, but I, I, I have one that I thought would be good for a project of like a, maybe kind of figurative portraits in interiors. It's slightly wide and it just seemed like, um, you know, that would be interesting. No, I, I think I might be doing that someday. But, um, you know, you're talking earlier about photography for young people or older, you know, maybe the view camera is something for, uh, you know, just kind of change things up. But it's also, you know, there's sort of a pressure from digital, you know, like all these, I'm just sick of these quick pictures, you know. I, it used to be interesting, uh, you know, the moment, but now it's just like much less. Do you keep multiple projects going on at any one time? Or? Yes, okay. yeah. Yep. And it's kind of a pleasure. It's a pleasure to uh, just switch gears, um, wear a different hat for this project or this project. I did like summer camp work was done at the same time as um, you know pictures from um, 
southeast or greater Atlanta. And actually, I was in Italy at those times. You know, I have an olive tree book, and it was done. In, and I'm photographing. Uh, I was photographing Sandy Creek in in Athens. You know, in nature. So some of it is uh, you know, like you photo if you photograph on the streets, and you're really you know driving around America and getting into situations it does get tiring and then uh, you know a walk in the woods is a wonderful thing and uh, um, so it is about it's kind of a sh uh, shifting gears but also just refreshing your you know refreshing yourself all right well this situation is a little bit of a clunker I mean I see things as light bouncing around but I think I'm gonna go over there just into the bright bright light that's great yeah, this light is actually not that wonderful. It's to me, it just seems a little bit bright. What do you see? Is that a green man or is that a red man? That's... Okay, well, traffic's going. So. See, I just love it when people have a suitcase. I go nuts. That's why I love the airport project I'm working on. I just think I love the idea of somebody traveling and they've got a little baggage. Metaphorical and literal. And that's it. We all have our, we all have the, our lives are carrying around with us. So this is the famous Cafe Wepler where uh, Henry Miller would, and Vuillard would hang out, and numbers of others. I don't know who. This escalator here is pretty wonderful. It it just brings forth. A wonderful parade of people. There's one thing I've always wanted to ask you about. Uh, yeah. There was a, something you said when we were in grad school. You said you need to find the thing you love and then rebel against it. Did I say that? It sounded great, and it's really kept it? in my my heart. <laughs> so you don't know, have to defend or whatever. I don't but, remember um, saying that. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, sounds good. Do you think it sounds okay? Um, what was the context? Was it was, I, well, it was, was within a critique. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it, somebody must have just been talking about. I think maybe talking about influences or something. But it yeah, it sounds. It sounds. It sounds. It sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> I'll tell you how I extrapolate it. Is that like if I'm too much enthralled to Robert Adams, for example, I got to think about well, what's the thing I think I could do better? I could, you know, that's yeah. More you want to. You want to. You want to improve on things. Um, some way. You, you, your idea has to be a better idea in some way. Um, I think it's good to, um, you know, it's good to try to plagiarize for a while and see how that goes for you. And uh, if you really are able to do that, if you're really doing something else. Um, but usually I see things and there's something about a body of work that um, you know, I feel that they've they've missed something, or there's something I would rather, yeah. So that's one way to to work and build on on what's been done. You know, the world um, just puts up stuff that might frustrate, you know, the, your ambitions, and then you have to. See what you're really getting, and, and uh, um, acceptance is a big deal in photography. And if people are too willful 
about what they want. The pictures just become too determined and uh, they don't have this kind of, uh, this life, you know. I do think if you're, you know, if you're looking for something specific, you'll probably invariably find it, but it won't be that interesting. Well, I, I would say that there's one picture I took um, in, the, in my book, The Players, on Little League Baseball. Um, sorry if I'm talking a little slowly, it's because I am actually looking at things at the same time. Um, but it was of these... of these... Um, uh, there's this one kid, this group of kids and they're catching this ball and their eyes are all shut and... Uh, um, it's done with the telephoto lens and I did I got this telephoto lens and I did it because I wanted to, to do a picture very much like that, you know, so it's like, that was very intentional and yet it's, it's so, it, things can work any way, really, you, you can, it's not always unexpected, sometimes it's expected and sometimes you can, sometimes you can take a picture and you see it and, uh, you know, and you're kind of bored actually. Because you know, okay, this is just, this is, this is very good. It's like you haven't even discovered it. It's just like right there and you just take it and, and it's, but it is good. There, there are, there's nothing absolute. There's, there's no, you know, you can be, uh, it's not always a surprise and unexpected. Well, as they say, luck favors the prepared, right? You, you know, you, we built up these cultivation stuff, so we're ready there, we're right there for the moment. I, th I think there's, there's, to me it's, at this point, I, it's just, you're just logging in time and, and being in a, being a good frame of mind and being, being healthy, you know, uh, being frisky, you know, you just have to kind of have this feeling eager and, um, you know, like, yeah. like there's, there's something going on. And luck, I don't know. I, I luck, luck, I don't know about, and talent, I don't know about. Um, I think it's pretty much work, and um, keep it loose, you know, and just, you know, uh, entertaining yourself. I think, uh, I think you've got to be <laughs> enjoying it, you know. Um, I mean. You know, here it's a cold day, and um, to make pictures, it's you've got to want to, and and uh, um, I'm, I don't know. I'm for what, how, I don't know why. I'm I'm into it, and I don't really understand the the, the depressing, you know, uh, school of photography where people are kind of powered down. I think a lot of people tamp down their enthusiasm. It's it's part of our culture. It's part of cool or something and, and I think people are always like they're knocking on wood and they're just kind of want to be cautious they don't want to speak about themselves in glowing terms or their work in glowing terms and um, but that's nice to do once in a while you know um. well and so I want to follow up do you feel like that you're expressing a self through the pictures and, and, and a different selves in different projects and I think there's um, yeah I think there's a kind of a it's a mind being kind of fusion with what's out there. Um, I think I am showing other people, you know, I'm, I'm showing, I'm showing other people. There's one. Oh, that's great. It's incredible. Yeah. I, 
Because what I mean is that, you know, like, uh, another poetry critic, she wrote, she, she's like, when we think of the poem, we think of what designs the poet has on us. And I, I like that way, because like, if I see a new photographer, if I see a new body of work from somebody else, I, I think they're, you know, I wonder what designs, what kind of thing they're yeah. trying to, you know, say. Well, it's shaped, I think really the very great stuff is very transparent, though, that it, you do kind of... Uh, leave the self behind in some ways you you do it's not an like the germans i'm not convinced by that's just they have this sort of impersonal voice and it just is too much that way it's not convincing um but um i'm being very you know broad stroke yeah. the germans because like for example with you like i'm you know having as many of your books as i have i, I don't know you well but i feel like i know the kind of person you are through, through looking at the pictures, you yeah, know. probably there are some things you can't, uh, you know, get away from. Why hide from yourself, you know? I mean, some people are introverts and some are extroverts, and you can't be one way, you know, you really can't change yourself around too much. It is a lot about my energy, you know. Winogrand's pictures were about his energy. But there's something to when you see the first time you see Winogrand or Friedlander or whomever, you say, "I'd like to see more." I mean, it's obviously something is getting to you that speaks to you, uh, you know, that, that connects. There is like the the uh, author's voice. There is something about the thing itself and respecting that, and you know, certainly Evans is a very interesting person to think about, and Age for kind of stepping aside in some ways, you know. Versailles would say that, um, I mean, he did say in, in a wonderful essay, um, maybe it's Cameron Paris or something, but it's, it's like the best essay on photography and by a photographer. And um, I think he says that as you, you know, as you, just as you approach the subject, and the more you lose yourself, the more you're in the pictures at the same time, you know, I, I'm saying it poorly. Um, since I'm freezing and I'm looking <laughs> at all this stuff, but you know, you let go of yourself and it's it's and you you respect the subject more, but then you're in the pictures even more. Yeah, I'm thinking about Versailles a lot, and there there's a great essay also on Versailles by uh, Henry Miller, and I think it's called Normal Vision, and it's it's really good. Because what I would even say is that that impersonality that you describe, the ability to step aside, is even another way of communicating itself. You know, I, I say, oh, that person is really good about disappearing. Um, or, you know, maybe I'm not using the right words, but even that trying not to communicate is communicative in itself. Well, I just think it's, it's, trans, it's transparency. It's... Um, um, oh, my... Um, yeah, I actually do mutter to myself when I take a picture. I will say, oh my, or I can't, I can't help it. Um, I'm not sure what to say, because this is all, that's all about, this is highfalutin, it's, it's mastery and it's discipline. Um, um, I think Hafiz, we're talking about poets all the time. I, I think he wrote a poem on, or was it Rumi? It was about like the Greek way and the Chinese way. And um, 
there are these two, like, so these two cultures meet and they, there's this sort of competition and they have side by side um, these two rooms and they're divided by a curtain. And uh, maybe I'm getting one song wrong. But I think the Chinese are like, they're doing this like amazing, you know, um, just this amazing, beautiful, gold and luxurious and um, just, just exquisitely fine uh, demonstration of art in this one room. And the Greeks are polishing. They're polishing, polishing, polishing. They're polishing the walls of their place. Polishing, polishing, polishing. And the Chinese, you know, they, they keep on working, keep on working, and, and then it's just absolutely magnificent. It's this wonderful thing. And then when they are, to, the you know, competition is ready, so we do this, and you see this glorious display from the Chinese. And then the Greeks just drop the curtain. And what the Chinese did is reflected in their room, and it's even more so, you know? Uh, it's, oh, that guy is great, and I'm changing film. It always happens that way. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> For me. <laughs> it's the annoying thing of, uh, it's just there's so many, so many. He was good, but frankly, he was a little, the, the hood was a little uh, too much over. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. That's how I can live. Hola, okay, there's one. How many rolls do I have then? Yes, use my teeth. All right. How much do you monkey with development based on how the conditions of your shooting? Uh, not much. It's roll film, and I'm going. Um, I'm, um, you know, changing the lights. Uh, you know, it might be. In the same role, might be a shady area or might be bright sun. If I was in the desert and all my, all my pictures were shot the same in the same light, I would, you know, uh, develop it a certain way. If, if all my pictures were in rainy, cloudy, you know, I might develop it a little longer. Um, but I'm pretty, it's, it's tri-X, it's forgiving and, and um, you know, I, it'll all work out, you know. Um, I am thinking not just about like proper exposure and development, but I'm thinking about what the picture requires in terms of its um, depth of field and shutter. So sometimes, um, you know, maybe I'll do something a little underexposed, but I just think that I, it needs to be at the shutter speed or it's not going to work. But I do look out for things like, um, you know, if black hair, just two deep blacks, or if there's a bright white shirt, you know, I, I might uh, try to have that not in the picture, you know. Well, this is a, it's a pretty good spot. Um, it's actually good um, talking to you. You're a bit of a foil, you know. If you're just a one person here pointing your camera down, it's like, but now I'm like with somebody, so I'm part of a team or something, and that just helps, helps the cause. I would have loved to help the cause all day long, but I could see that the real magic happens for Mark when he's alone. 
So after a while, we said goodbye. Thanks for listening to the While Walking With podcast, a TIS Books production where we talk with photographers while out making pictures in the world. My name is Tim Carpenter, and this podcast is recorded and edited by Carl Woolley. TIS Books is a small book publisher based in Brooklyn, and you can find out more about us at tisbooks.pub. Thanks for listening.